Hey kids, it's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. Is it just me or does that sound weird? I mean, I'm not sure why I didn't pick up on it the previous 13 times I've done one of these these, these intros, but I can't stop thinking about the fact that I say it's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. I can't, I can't get past that, and frankly, I don't know how to fix it. You know, what other options do I have? Hey kids, it's time for a brand new, just another fanboy classic episode. I can't say that because it's not, it's not brand new. It's old. So, hey kids, you ready for an old, just another fanboy classic episode? No, no, that doesn't sound very good either. How about, uh, let's, let, let me just try to think up some ideas here off the top of my head and, uh, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how they feel. All right. So, Hey kids, it's time for a Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. I feel like there needs to be more there. Hey kids, you want to listen to one of them dumb old Just Another Fanboy episodes? That doesn't, that doesn't quite work. If I'm, if I'm making myself laugh, it doesn't quite work. Uh, hey kids, what time is it? I don't have kids that can answer. I don't have a, a, a giant crowd of children that could, that could, uh, that can answer me back, you know. It's just another fanboy classic episode time. Yay! I can't do that. So, uh, you know, I think I'm just going to have to get over it. I think I'm just going to have to get over the fact that I've got to say it the way I've got to say it. Hey, kids, it's time for another just another fanboy classic episode. This week, we got episode number 14. Don't know why I said it that way. I'm, I'm going to stop interrupting. I'm just, I'm having a hard time processing the crap fest debacle that was episode number 250. I don't know what I was thinking when I went into that episode. I will tell you right now that I don't think I'm ever going to live stream by myself ever again. And if I do, I'm definitely going to edit the episode. I mean, if you've listened to episode number 250, you know that that is what a typical just another fanboy episode sounds like if I did not go in and take out just all the crap, basically. So I'm, I'm just, I'm having a hard time, having a hard time because I put that out there. It's like putting my heart out there on my sleeve and saying, look, look at my heart. Isn't it gross? I mean, ew, there's a heart on your sleeve, dude. Ew. Anyway, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this one more time. Okay. <clears throat> I apologize. Hey kids, it's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. This week we got episode number 14, which was originally published on Wednesday, November the 29th, 2006, and I really have nothing else to say about it. I think I've said enough already, so enjoy. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the only podcast that cries in the middle of the night. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx Broadcasting production. Lynx, like the cat. Meow. Just like a comic book. 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 Welcome to episode number 14 of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was recorded on November 28th, 2006, and wants to know what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Steven, and this week we got more stuff coming at you than even I can handle. Okay, that's a complete lie. 
There was supposed to be a whole crap load of stuff I was going to talk about this week, but, well, I just couldn't due to the damn clock that hangs over my head and controls my every movement. For example, I wanted to talk about the Madman books this week, but, frankly, I just ran out of time. So, no Madman this week. Hopefully I can get something ready for you next week, and you're all invited to call into the voice line and leave your thoughts about Madman, or send some emails, or post on the forum, or maybe send a pigeon. Whatever. But until then, a listener's feedback. Hello, my name is Alfredo, as in the Chipon, Alfredo, and I would recommend me because I have a tasty sauce and I have the long noodles. Okay, so I have no idea who sent that or what it's supposed to represent, but I loved it. So you think you can top the wackiness, or maybe you have something legitimate to talk about? Well, then call the hotline. Call it at one eight seven seven three zero nine eight three six seven extension two one two, and I'll play it on the show. No, really, really, I will. But now. News and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by Pickle in a Sack, the pet for all ages. Have you grown weary of cats and dogs? Do goldfish make you bored to tears? Has your hamster got you down in the dumps? Why not try Pickle in a Sack, the revolutionary new pet that comes with its own unique carrying case. Take it to the beach, the zoo, or even your local sewage treatment plant. Why, thanks to that brown paper bag, this pickle will go with you anywhere and can be used in practically any emergency situation. But don't take our word for it. Why not let this satisfied customer tell you himself? Last winter... Thanks to an unexpected and unavoidable Christmas tree accident, I was trapped beneath a large pine. I was out in the middle of nowhere, and I had no idea when I was going to be missed. Thankfully, I had pickle in a sack. Not only did my pickle Reggie keep me company and give me someone to talk to after the countless lonely hours trapped under that cursed tree, it was also able to help keep me nourished and fed one bite at a time. Thanks, Reggie. I'm not sure if pickles go to heaven or not, but I wouldn't have made it through that trying time without you. Rest in peace, sweet pickle. Pickle in a sack, because eating your hamster is just plain weird. Please dispose of pickle in a sack when it begins to smell. Pickle in a sack is not intended for lonely people who just need a living, breathing creature around to love them unconditionally. I'm deeply saddened to announce that legendary artist Dave Cockrum has passed away this Sunday morning, November 26, due to complications from diabetes. Cockrum was best known for his work on Legion of Superheroes at DC and Uncanny X-Men at Marvel Comics, as well as redesigning Marvel's team of mutants for Giant Size X-Men number one. Everyone here at Just Another Fanboy would like to send their most sincerest of condolences to the family, friends, and fans of Dave Cockrum. David Wohl, co-creator of Witchblade in the Darkness, has signed on to script Pride, the fifth installment in the seven series from Xenoscope Entertainment and New Line Cinema. Seven features the origin of John Doe, one of the most nefarious big-screen villains of all time. The second installment of Seven, Greed, reaches store shelves in early December. 
The first issue, Gluttony, sold through its initial diamond orders in a day and is now available for reorder through the distributor or online at www.xenoscope.com. While the big companies have massive crossover events pitting their own characters against themselves, SuperRealGraphics.com is proud to offer the first ever Super Real special, Super Real vs. the Comic Book Industry, featuring the book's genetically enhanced reality show cast taking on, you guessed it, the entire comic book industry. And if that wasn't epic enough, legendary indie artist Jim Mahfoud is along for the ride when the book hit stands this February. Super Real vs. the Comic Book Industry is a brand new issue number one featuring five stories written by series creator Jason Martin, spotlighting each character and their comic book style enhancements facing off against stand-ins for comic book superstars in an all-out action extravaganza. This is a great chance to check out the offbeat mashup of comic book and pop culture in this irreverent, funny, and sexy series. Each explosive story features artwork by a different guest creator, including featured contributor Jim Mafood, who says about the special, I had a blast drawing it, it's really fun stuff. Super Reel's first three issues have all been well-received by fans and especially critics, with many citing it as one of the best independently published comics available today, and others proclaiming creator Jason Martin an artist to keep an eye on in 2006. Now's the time to tune in and check out the buzz on Super Real with 30 pages of in-your-face comic book icon beatdowns that are sure to have fans talking. In May, DC launches a new imprint called Minx, a line of graphic novels created specifically to target young adult female readers. The imprint will kick off with six titles in 2007, each retailing for less than $10, including such titles as The Plain Janes, Clubbing, Regifters, and Good as Lily. In TV news, Sci-Fi Channel has given a green light to Tin Man, a wild SF reimagining of The Wizard of Oz, as its next six-hour original miniseries. Written by Stephen Long Mitchell and Craig Van Sickle, Tin Man is slated to begin shooting in Vancouver, B.C. in early 2007, with an eye to a December 2007 premiere. Casting is currently underway. Sci-Fi is reteaming with RHI Entertainment to produce Tin Man. The miniseries is a sometimes psychedelic, often twisted, and always bizarre take on The Wizard of Oz. It centers on D.G., a young woman plucked from her humdrum life and thrust into the Outer Zone, the O.Z., a fantastical realm filled with wonder, but oppressed by dark magic. D.G. discovers her true identity, battles evil-winged monkey bats, and attempts to fulfill her destiny. Her perilous journey begins on the fabled Old Road that leads to a wizard known as the Mystic Man. Along the way, she is joined by Glitch, an odd man missing half his brain. Ra, a quietly powerful Wolverine-like creature longing for inner courage, and Kane, a heroic former policeman known in the OZ as a Tin Man, who is seeking vengeance for his scarred heart. Ultimately, DG's destiny leads her to a showdown with the wicked sorceress Azkadilia, whose ties to DG are closer than anyone could have imagined. Tin Man will be executive produced by RHI's Robert Halmy Sr. and Robert Halmy Jr. Mitchell and Van Sickle will also serve as executive producers. On DVD this week, An Evening with Kevin Smith 2 two-disc set, Clerks 2, Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, Superman Returns, Superman Serials 1948-1950 collection, four-disc series, and Thundercats Season 2, Volume 2, six-disc series. 
And that was this week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. And now my comic book, Picks of the Week. This week from DC, we have 52, number 30, written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Breakdowns by Keith Giffen, covers by J.G. Jones. The story of the year continues in four more chapters of America's only weekly superhero adventure. In this issue, get ready for the story you never expected. Batman No More, a full-length 22-page adventure featuring Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, and Batwoman? Batman number 659, written by John Ostrander, art by Tom Mandrake, covers by Gregory Lauren. Three horrific murders rock Gotham with only one gruesome connection. Parts of the victims' faces have been carved away. Meanwhile, a brutal Russian gangster called Perun threatens Amina Franklin, a doctor working at the Leslie Tompkins Clinic, which brings not only the Batman, but his bizarre new foe, Grotesque. And as the mystery of Grotesque deepens, a vicious new player enters the game, a Japanese Yakuza named Johnny Karaoke. Batman confronts Karaoke and his murderous geisha girls, while the monstrous grotesque strikes once again. Green Lantern number 15, written by Jeff Johns, art by Ivan Rice and Auclair Albert, cover by Ethan Van Scriver. Part 3 of Wanted Hal Jordan, guest starring Alan Scott, Green Arrow and Roy Harper. Wanted for murder and on the run with John Stewart's life on the line, Hal Jordan struggles to clear his name once again. But who put a price on his head? And what do they want from Green Lantern? From DC Wildstorm, we have Wetworks number three, written by Mike Carey, art and cover by Will Spartacchio and Richard Friend, variant cover by Jason Pearson. The tension mounts as Dane. Red and Abdeath investigate another gruesome crime scene and make a frightening discovery, which soon leads them to a nasty encounter with the cause of the carnage. Meanwhile, Ash and the recently revived Mother One embark on a rescue mission. But most importantly, what is the secret of the blood box? And from Marvel this week, we have Captain America number 24, written by Ed Brubaker, pencils by Mike Perkins, cover by Steve Epting. In the midst of the Civil War, Cap faces his worst fears as friends desert his cause and comrades in arms lie dead or wounded. And among all this, the Red Skull begins to make his moves, with a few startling comrades of his own this time. This stunning conclusion to Drums of War sets the stage for the next year of Captain America stories that will have everyone talking. And Onslaught Reborn number 1, written by Jeff Loeb, with art by Rob Liefeld. 
Marvel's greatest heroes sacrifice themselves to save the world from the deadliest threat they have ever faced. Onslaught! The lives of the Fantastic Four and the Avengers were saved only when Franklin Richards created a parallel universe where we found those heroes reborn. But this world has long since merged back into our own, and the evil onslaught forged from the most vile parts of Magneto's and Professor X's psyches has been presumed long dead. But now, he himself is reborn, and he's bringing fragments of the other universe with him. And those were my comic book picks of the week. See the full list of comics being released this week over at the Just Another Fanboy message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy. And hey, while you're there, register and post and all that wacky message board type stuff. Got your own picks? Call 1-877-309-8367 extension 212 and tell us all about them. Of course... As usual, you'll want to use your picks from last week. But you know what? I still want to hear them. So call. Give me a little ring-a-ding-ding. And now for At the Movies with Gary Indiana. everybody it's gary with you once more for at the movies with gary indiana well since ain't nobody even submitted a guess for last week's movie i'm gonna up and assume that ain't nobody figured out what it is so what i'm gonna do is give you another line from the same movie and now this week's movie quote someday i think you and i are gonna have a serious disagreement do you think you know the movie email us here at just another fanboy at gmail.com and give us your guess Remember to include the name you want us to use in the show at the bottom of your email. This week on Heroes, a spoilerific look at the latest episode of Heroes on NBC. This week's episode was entitled Six Months Ago and was set, oddly enough, six months ago. Okay, so here's the deal. I didn't have time to write down a synopsis of the show. So, basically everything from this point on in regards to Heroes is going to be straight off the top of my head and it's not going to be scripted. And it's going to sound like le poopy and frankly, don't care. So, okay, um, we learn the origin of Siler. Siler was a, uh, a watchmaker, a watch repair man who looked a little bit like Clark Kent. His name was Gabriel. And I don't remember his last name, but it was not Siler. Well, Mohinder's 
dad comes to see him. It's six months ago. He comes to see him and comes to tell him, you know, hey, Mr. Watchman, I am doing a study on people who have abilities and you're on my list. So come on back to my crib and we're going to run some tests. Well, Gabriel's pretty happy about this because all his, you know, his entire life, he has felt that he wanted to be somebody special and start over with a new name and just be a special kind of guy. Well, after running test after test after test, Mohinder's dad doesn't find anything special about Gabriel and Gabriel has a little hissy fit about it and sees the files that Mohinder's dad has on his desk, um, relating to some of the other people with abilities and leaves in a fit. He contacts uh, the first person on the list. I don't remember the dude's name, but has him come over to his watchmaker's crib. And he introduces the guy, introduces himself to the guy as Gabriel Siler. He gets the name Siler off of a watch, I think, that he's repairing. And he has the guy uh, try out his ability, which is like, uh, I think, telekinesis. He can move stuff with his mind. And then we find out that for some reason, I, I don't I don't know how to explain it because I don't quite understand it myself. But for some reason, this Siler dude can see how everything works. And because of that, he can take their powers. So in a fit of pique, he grabs a crystal and smacks it over this dude's head and kills him and takes his powers. He goes back to Mohinder's dad and he shows him, look, man, I got powers now. Woohoo. Me and you, we's going to band together and we're going to find all these other people with abilities. So that's Siler's story. Uh, obviously, he is a little deranged. Um, we also learn um, how Eden met HRG, Claire's father. She was out uh, in a stolen car. Uh, Matt, the cop, actually pulls her over. She uses her little Jedi mind trick on him to tell him to go eat donuts. You want to eat donuts, to which he leaves to go eat some donuts. And as he pulls away, Eden's getting ready to pull away. And who's standing there in front of her car? The Haitian. Okay, so the Haitian takes her back to HRG. She tries to use her mind control on HRG and can't. Um, I'm assuming it's because the Haitian was in the room. Maybe the Haitian... Uh, not only has the power to uh, empty people's minds, hollow them out, as was put in a, in a previous episode, but maybe he's also a power dampener. Maybe he dampens other people's powers. Maybe that's how he was able to get Siler uh, in the previous episode. Don't know. Maybe. But uh, HRG tells Eden, basically, she's got to work for him. Okay? Uh, what he wants her to do is go see Mohinder's dad. Because HRG at one point in the episode is also visited by Mohinder's dad. Uh, and I, I can't remember the dude's name, so I'm just going to refer to him as, as Mohinder's dad from here on out. Um, but Mohinder's dad uh, shows HRG his big map with all the different people on it. And one of them, of course, is Claire. And um, HRG then wants Eden to go track, you know, to go befriend Mohinder's dad and get Claire's name off of his list. Um, we also see uh, Nathan and Peter from six months ago, and we see that uh, this is before Nathan is going to run for Congress, and the the DA wants him to um, have a you know start a case. He wants him to go after Linderman, the mob boss that gives him money and uses Nikki to um, you know blackmail him to get him into Linderman's pocket. But at this point, six months earlier, he's I, I think he's an assistant DA. And he's going to go after Linderman. But we find out that Nathan and, and Peter's dad, uh, that Linderman is their dad's biggest client. 
So if they if he goes after Linderman, then he's got to take out their dad as well. Linderman's men go after Nathan and his wife as they're cruising back from a party on an empty highway. And they come up in a big black SUV and try to run him off the road. Nathan's driving. And all of a sudden, bang, Nathan's not in the car anymore. He's floating above it. And his wife is in the passenger seat. And the car is driven into a, uh, you know, a d- the, the barrier divider. And she's rushed to the hospital. And that's why she's paralyzed from the legs down. Um, Nathan then visits uh, Peter the day that they're supposed to go in and testify against Linderman and their dad. And Peter's got a suit on. He's all ready to go. But Nathan, of course, tells him, well, you know, that's not what we're doing today because dad is dead. He had a heart attack and he's died. But, hey, at least be thankful that he died not knowing that his sons were about to betray him. Uh, We also see Nikki's history from six months ago. She's married, of course, to DL. Um, She's one year sober and her dad comes to visit. And her dad keeps going on and on about something that he has done to her in the past. And he's trying to find a way to apologize. And he chooses to do that through money. Well, this is maybe when we see the first appearance of Jessica. We find out that Jessica is actually Nikki's sister uh, who died back in, I think it was 86, according to the gravestone. Well, Nikki shifts over to Jessica. Jessica goes to visit their father. And we find out apparently that... um Their father was also an alcoholic and was very abusive. And Jessica took it upon herself to protect Nikki by always being there for their dad to beat on so he wouldn't beat on Nikki. So that gives us the kind of, you know, scenario where now it's Jessica. I don't know if it's like her ghost possessing Nikki, but she's still around to protect Nikki. And that's why she takes over at certain times to protect uh, Nikki from harm and, you know, to keep her out of harm's way and whatnot. Uh, we also see what's going on with Hiro back six months previous, where he teleported back to save the waitress. Um, he Basically, he befriends her. He convinces her that he has powers. He convinces her that she probably has powers because all of a sudden now she can pretty much memorize anything she sees and uh, convinces her to go to Japan with him. However, just before they're getting ready to get on the bus to go to the airport, she tells Hiro that she has a, I think it was a tumor or something, a blood clot or something in her brain and that she's going to die. She only has a certain amount of time before she dies. And she tells Hiro that she loves him. And they go to kiss. And all of a sudden, bang, he's no longer in Texas anymore. He's now back in Japan. And it's present day, from what I understand, because he's on this rooftop where all his fellow businessmen are doing their little exercises. And one of them asks him, hey, I thought you and Ando went to New York on vacation. And so then we flash over to Ando, who's still in the diner waiting on Hiro. Hiro finally shows up and explains to, to Ando what happened and that he couldn't save um, the waitress whose name, for some reason, I just can't remember. Um, and that no matter what he does, he can't change the past, apparently. So the, the, ep- I'm pretty much, I'm pretty sure that's, that was it. You know, if I'm missing anything, I apologize. Maybe somebody can call into the voice line and fill me in on what I missed. Unfortunately, my four year old son was running in and out of the room, uh, during his bedtime. Instead of sleeping, he was coming in and interrupting us. So, um, I was constantly taking him back to bed instead of watching the show. So I may have missed some, some key points, but that was pretty much the show. The show ended with, um, basically everything that is happening as of now. Uh, with 
DL about to get shot and whatnot. So uh, I guess we'll tune in next week to find out what's going to happen with heroes. So tune in next week. And I guess that brings us now to this week's podcast spotlight. In this week's comic book spotlight, we take a look at the comic timing podcast at speakgeekspeak.com slash comic timing. Here's a description straight from the mouth or keyboard of the show's host, Ian. Comic books are a medium that has grown substantially over the years, but what is behind that growth? What do comic fans look for in a book? What's new and tantalizing for the average fan? Join in as Ian Levenstein and a rotating panel of guests discuss whatever comes to mind, time after time, on Comic Timing. Yeah, this is another one of those shows that I listen to each week. Of course, if I didn't, it wouldn't be part of the podcast spotlight, but we'll just move on, okay? This is uh, another one of those roundtable discussion shows, but with, as Ian stated, a rotating panel of guests. So sometimes it, you know, it can be a little more interesting than your typical uh, roundtable discussion show because there's different people on there each week. Um, it's informative and it offers up different opinions on many types of comics out there. Just recently, they did a, uh, a special episode dealing with the Just Bill's Long Box podcast, which is causing quite a stir over at the Geek Speak uh, forums. If, if you're a member of the GeekSpeak forums and you've been reading all these posts about the, the Longbox forum or the Longbox podcast and you want to know what's going on, listen to Comic Timing, listen to their Longbox special. Maybe that'll give you a little insight. But uh, so just take some time this week, uh, go over and download and listen to Comic Timing at speakgeekspeak.com slash comic timing. And you know what? Just for the heck of it, tell them that Steven sent you. And now it's time once again for The View from Norman, Oklahoma, a weekly segment in which our resident bitter old fanboy pisses and moans about the state of the comic book industry, or just about anything that generally pisses him off. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you the man, the myth, the legend, Norman, Oklahoma. I got me a couple of items to talk about this week. Two little somethings that popped up in the past week that's got me fuming about the gills and I need to speak my piece about them. The first item comes from a comment made by Joe Casada over at the New Joe Fridays at Newsarama. This past Friday, in the reader's questions section of the weekly article, a reader asks, and I'll cut out the non-pertinent stuff, Joe, Civil War number 5 displays Spidey versus Bullseye, Venom, and Green Goblin. What do I get when I read the story? Spidey punk by two losers. That's twice I feel the covers misrepresented the story inside. What were Marvel's intentions with these covers? What are your thoughts on this? And Joey Q's half-assed reply is, As for the cover of number five, comic covers take many shapes and sizes. Some are literal, some are just plain iconic, and some are metaphorical or representational in nature. Issue 5's cover was the latter. Well, let me just say something here, Joe. That's crap. 
If you got a cover to an X-Men book showing Wolverine sitting on a motorcycle, posing looking cool, and the book itself doesn't actually have Wolverine on a bike, fine, I can live with that. However, if you have a cover with your hero in action, especially in action fighting other named bad guys, and then you don't depict this scene in the book, shame on you. Shame on you. Folks don't look at a cover depicting Wolverine simply sitting astride a motorcycle and say to themselves, Ooh, I gotta get this book. Wolverine rides a motorcycle. But you can bet your ass that folks who see a book with Spider-Man on the cover getting his rump handed to him by Bullseye, Venom, and the Green Goblin pick up that book expecting to see just that. This is a cover that was designed to entice readers to pick up a book they haven't picked up before. And for Marvel to do that and then not have the payoff is just plain shameful. And I just ain't gonna take it. So what? Does this mean you aren't picking up the book or what? Well, I don't know if I need to go that far. I mean... Vote with your wallet, Norman. Vote with your wallet. Oh, shut up. Okay, I'm just saying, but I'll back out. I'll back out. All right, thank you. Now, moving on. The second item I wanted to talk about this week is the slabbing of comics, specifically when done by CGC. I was looking through the price guide in the recent issue of Wizard, and in one area of the guide, it shows Amazing Spider-Man number 300 listed to be worth $150 if it is near mint. However, later in the price guide, it shows the very same issue, near mint, but graded by CGC and worth $1,200. Now wait a minute here. From what I understand, the only difference between the CGC copy and the non-CGC copy is that ugly piece of plastic that the CGC puts their books in. Well, that and the fact that Summit over at CGC has apparently graded the book. So, you're telling me that if I just have this copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 300 that is in near-mint condition, it's worth nearly 10 times less than what someone else may have just simply because CGC said it's worth that much. This makes so little sense to me that I can't even put my outrage together in a coherent sentence. Somebody please explain this to me, please, because I'm pulling my hair out over here. This is just a major conundrum. It certainly is. Is there anything else you want to say on the matter? Nope. I'm out of here. See you later. I'm just too pissed off. Audio. Okay, then. I guess that brings another rip-roaring episode to a close. But before I get into all that announcement gobbledygook, Let's play some bloopers from this week's episode. Has your hamster got you down in the dumps? Son of a... Threatens Amina Franklin, a doctor working at those Leslie Tompkins... Blah, blah, schlubberdoo. Well, I don't need a fight. You know, I don't... It, shamaloo! <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, I'll... I'll... And so ends the blooper portion of our show. That was stupid. Well, that's your opinion. Well, doesn't matter. It was still stupid. Yeah, it was kind of stupid. Wasn't it, though? I mean, damn, that weren't funny. I mean, you might as well be farting on the microphone. That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of funny, wouldn't it, Norm? <laughs> farting on a microphone. <laughs> that sure would be funny. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up, boys. We got to oh, finish oh, this show. Sorry, sorry. Take a moment to show me how much you care and love for this show. You can do that by emailing me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. You can also post at the message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy. Let me repeat that. pythonland.com slash fanboy. Come on over, sign up, and post because we need some folks at the message board because I'm trying to build me a little community. Community, people. That's the word of the week. 
You can also call in at the voicemail line at 1-877-309-8367, extension 212. Tell me about your comics. Tell me about your dog. Tell me about a penguin. Just call in and say, Shamalama Ding Dong, I don't care, I'm going to play it. The theme song for the show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at garageband.com. The rest of the music from this week's episode comes from the Pod Show Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. So until next week, I'm Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. <laughs> Good job. I mean, what was I thinking? Why why would I do that? Why would I do that to myself? Why would I purposely put out an episode showing all of my flaws? I mean, there's enough flaws in a regular episode as it is. With all the editing I do and everything that I take out of a show, there's still, I mean, there it's... It's still pretty flawed, and yet I decided to put out an episode with really no editing whatsoever. I mean, at one point when I finally got, you know, I, 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 I ramble and ramble and meander and just just sound like a like a fool at the beginning as I'm just I'm trying to explain what it is that I'm trying to do and I didn't have anything written down. I didn't have anything at all written down. Well, maybe next time you you should probably try to write stuff down. Well, okay, Abner, you make a good point. I probably should have planned it a little better, but sometimes, you know, I do episodes where I don't have, you know, I don't plan it at all. Well, and some of them are some of the the best episodes you've ever put out. Exactly. That's that's exactly my point. That's what I was trying to do. I, I know. I'm just, all I'm saying is you didn't feel, I mean, when I was sitting in the sound booth, putting everything all together, when you was getting ready to start podcasting, you didn't, you didn't look like you were comfortable. You looked like you were out of sorts. You had you'd gone to town and Yeah, I, I know. I, I went to town and I thought I was gonna be back in time to, you know, throw some notes together. You know the way I am. I know you like to keep stuff to the last minute, and that's I mean, I guess that can be fun, but you know, look where it got you. You're right. I know. I, I should have I, I should have I should have done some planning. I I understand. I get the point you're trying to make, okay? You don't have to beat it into my head. Boy, there you go again. That rage. Zero to 60 in the drop of a hat. I'm I'm sorry. I...
I, di- I don't mean to take it out on you, Abner. You're one of my closest friends. You've always been here for me to help me uh, when it comes to getting this podcast ready. You're you're there in the sound booth. You're like my my beacon of light. Oh well, that's that's nice. I that's nice. I think that's one of the nicest things you've ever said to me. Well, I mean, I mean it. You know, I'm not I'm not just. Talking out of my butt here, Abner. Oh, I, I didn't think you were. Are, are, are you getting, are, is your rage kicking up again? Do you need to take a breath? No, I'm, I'm fine, Abner. And I just, I just wish I would have did, did, did. I don't think you said that right. I think it's done. I don't know. I don't have a b- b- book of grammar here in front of me. Done. I wish I would have done things a little different. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's what I should have said. I wish I would have done things a little differently for episode 250. I think the live stream was a mistake. Well, I think it was a mistake too, but you know, you can't, you can't look at it like that. You can't sit here and worry about what you've done. You can only learn from those mistakes and do better going forward. That's a, that's a really good point, Abner. That's, again, you reach in to the darkness of my heart with the candle that is your heart and uh, you make me feel a little better about things. Well, that's what friendships are for, ain't it? You and me, we pals. <laughs> we are indeed, Abner. We are indeed. So are you going to end up wrapping up this show, or are we just going to keep talking like this for hours on end? Uh, I think we should probably... I think we should wrap it up. I, yeah, I think, we should, I think we should wrap it up. So uh, um, I guess we'll wrap it up. Let's, let's wrap it up then, sonny boy. Let's get that done. That's that's what I'm saying. Let's let's wrap it up. Well, then do it. Wrap it up. That's what I'm trying to do, Abner. I'm trying to wrap it up. You uh, you really need to see somebody about that rage. I, I know. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Abner. Uh, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's let's let's. Are you okay there? You sound like a broken record. I, I'm out of sorts, Abner, and that's that's. I, I tend to. You know, just, just... It's it's okay. Cough it up. It's in there. It's in your heart. Just let it out. I just, uh... When I get anxious and nervous and upset, I have a hard time saying what I'm trying to say. And I think what I'm trying to say, Abner, is, is let's wrap it up and, uh... I'll make you some eggs. Oh, eggs sound nice. Okay, eggs it is. <laughs> <laughs>